With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Welcome to the MMQB NFL Podcast. I'm Gary Brantling. And I'm Connor Orr. Connor, we have uh, worked our way down to the final four here. Uh, as the laws of nature and man demand, we are going to go backwards in time through divisional round weekend. Uh, should be called conference semifinal weekend, but that's okay. Uh, and we're going to start this one off with uh, the Cowboys 49ers game that we recently watched, and uh, once again, the Cowboys kind of go out with a uh, with a whimper, especially on the offensive side of the, of the ball in the postseason. Yeah, so I guess my big question is, um, when you, and whatever, style points, optics, none of that stuff really matters to coaches. It matters more to us, but when you lose the way that you did to the 49ers last year, where you were unable to get a spike off, and you're in the waning <laughs> moments of that game, how... Do you put yourself in a situation where you're equally as poor in terms of understanding and interpreting the clock? I feel yep. like reading a room a little bit, and then I don't know where you want to slot, Gary, that final play call in in our uh, stack of important things to talk about, but holy Moses was that thing just absolutely ridiculous. We can, we can kind of do it up top here, uh, and again... Uh, well, just like last year, it's unlikely they win the game, even if they manage that final drive correctly. That, of course, ended with uh, uh, Dak Prescott on the quarterback draw, and then they ran out of time before they could get the next snap off. Uh, in this one, we had Dalton Schultz. I, I don't know, man. I don't know if he just forgot the rule about forward progress, which I know some people... And, and look, Greg Olson was astute to point it out, and people pointed out that Greg Olson was astute to point it out, but also... Everyone who who's watched professional football in the last like three years knows exactly what that rule is. Uh, it's you know it's it's become I don't know it's become like the uh, 
like a 10 second runoff on a uh, pre snap penalty in the uh, in the final uh, in the final two minutes. There, it's just something everyone knows at this point. I don't know how Dalton Schultz didn't know that and kind of just gave up on the play. And then obviously one play later, I don't know what that is. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> so, do you want to hear my my what I think was going to happen? Yeah. All right. So, for those of you who didn't see the play, Dak. Uh, Prescott is like basically a swinging gate sort of thing where you have some of your offensive linemen out wide um, and then you have Ezekiel Elliott by himself as the lone offensive lineman and he's snapping the ball backwards and then what happened in real time was that Zeke snaps the ball in a very wobbly fashion and then just gets plastered by whoever the 49ers put over the ball and was unable to get up. And then Dak Prescott just throws like a six yard comeback and the receiver gets tackled and the game is over. I think they did not expect Ezekiel Elliott to be covered. And I think that he was going to be kind of like the flip back guy. Like, like I think that they were probably going to hook and ladder that. Yes. Um, so that's what I think was going to happen. But like, <laughs> how did you not expect, uh, you know, that, that, I mean, kudos to D'Amico and the 49ers defense. They were just like, no, nah, we're just going to clobber this guy. And, yep. uh, and it was awesome. It looks so cool. <laughs> One less person to run with the ball. Yeah. yeah, it was, uh, what I was thinking was, uh, you know, once the Cowboys saw they didn't have the look and they didn't have the look once they realized that, uh, you know, is he, Ezekiel was going to get plowed over on that play. Uh, just clock the ball. Just take the snap, clock the ball, and line up for another play, and yes. do it that way. Again, we're talking about a you know whatever a thousand to one chance that they win the game in this scenario anyway. But uh, what a weird you had the, you had that you had the two Dalton Schultz plays. You had a really weird opening play there where like Dak Prescott just sort of. Didn't even really lower his shoulder, just ran his face into Eric Armstead in the end zone and then just like spun out of it. And it was like, boy, this is <laughs> this is not going according to plan uh, early on here. And I would argue that, I mean, I don't know. So we'll kind of slowly back it up to the previous drive, which I think was sort of the most damning. And I so I'll start by saying that I understand why Mark, Mike McCarthy did what he did that did not stop me from dunking on him on the website for doing what he did. Um, but I, I think that you have to kind of take a broader look at the game flow at that point. Like the 49ers run game had started to work. Now, mm-hmm. under normal circumstances, I get putting the game in the hands of your defense and in the hands of Dan Quinn and in the hands of Micah Parsons and all these guys. But they started to get tired and it's not like Sam Darnold's your quarterback. You do have Dak Prescott, you have CD lamb. And I looked this up to make sure that I had it right. Um, Dak Prescott was the sixth best quarterback in the NFL this year on throwing downs where the defense expected a throw. If that makes sense. Yeah. So if there was a 70% chance or greater that any team in in that circumstance was going to throw. Yep. Dak Prescott was the sixth best quarterback in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes, obviously far and away number one. Um, but you know, he could pick up 10 yards, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't give the ball back to that offense. The 49ers offense 
like they're built to milk the clock. They're built to make you use timeouts in ways that you don't want to use them. And I don't know, to, to me, that just seems like a, a maddening use of your resources there. Like why, why would you punt the ball? And look, give credit to Are you team punt. Uh, you love hmm. the Cowboys. You might be team punt. Oh man. Um, I was kind of team hopeless at that point. Uh, it just seemed like it was over. Uh, and look, if you don't get the fourth and ten, the game is over right there. I go for it, but <laughs> there's just there's probably nothing good coming out of that. Um, like, where's the calls at the be- week one of the season? Nathaniel Hackett's essentially pre-fired for taking the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands. This is taking the mm-hmm. ball out of Dak Prescott's hands, right? Same. Same, basically the same scenario. I mean, only you don't have a similar scenario here. Yeah. Similar scenario. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, your defense, uh, and look, give credit to Kyle Shanahan, that 49ers coaching staff, for basically figuring out their run blocking in the second half of this game. And yep. I was kind of wondering at halftime, are they going to have to put the ball in Brock Purdy's hands a little bit more here? And not really. Uh, they... <laughs> They figured out what they needed to do up front with the uh, Cowboys, you know, moving those guys around constantly. And, uh, you know, that's that's what Kyle Shanahan does. And that's that's how this one uh, ends up wrapping up. But it just it felt like it was I I know that's not an answer, um, but it just felt like it was over as soon as they got into that fourth and ten situation. uh, And that was just the way it was going to be. Again, I'm trying to be. Even though I've already turned in a uh, a column bashing the decision, I'm trying to be as equal. Uh, in f- and in fairness to Mike McCarthy, I put a line in there that said that Sean Payton is not a market improvement over him. So let's not start that. Um, yeah. I think that's a silly thing to start doing. Um, but you know, maybe you read the room. You know, as much as you're thinking that the 49ers' offense has come around, you are sensing that building. I don't know, juice, momentum, whatever it is on the defensive side, do you really want Dak Prescott to get like clobbered on fourth and 10 and that's how your season ends? But I I think it's the more defensible position of the two of them. That's what I think. I don't know. Okay. That's, that's my takeaway. Like if, and again, you can't coach this way, but if I know that I got to get up on the podium afterwards and I can either be like, yeah, I punted uh, and that was terrible or um well i decided to put the ball in dak's hands you know dak's gotta go uh you know um dak's gotta go win that for us you know i don't know i picked the other one because i have a hard time accepting fault for things so <laughs> well this was a this was another kind of underwhelming performance here for dak prescott uh, this this 49ers defense is really good uh they're gonna make some quarterbacks look bad but uh it's just such a weird spot for the Cowboys. Uh, one, it's a weird spot with the coaching staff because you might lose one or perhaps even both of your coordinators uh, if anyone actually wants any of the jobs that are open around the NFL right now. Uh, on top of that, you're not going to move on from Dak Prescott. There are only like half a dozen guys in the league who would actually be an upgrade at this point. You just need him to be better in these <clears throat> spots. And... It wasn't a meltdown performance. It wasn't a disastrous performance. Losing Tony Pollard at the end of the first half certainly hurt. Uh, 
the two interceptions were bad, and then he just didn't really deliver that big play. You know, he had he had Michael Gallup downfield on that last non-desperation drive, and he missed him. And it's one throw. It's a difficult throw, but it's a potential game-winning throw if, if you make it. True. Um, I, I was, well, I guess, right, I mean, it's probably what the defense is not expecting in that moment, and you were almost picked off on the underneath throw. But to me, you know, pushing the, you know, I don't know, pushing it deep there is probably not ideal. But, I you know, again, this is a really good defense, and so I guess you kind of just, you know, you take what you take, um, and you take your openings how you get it. But um, I don't know. I I think that on one hand, it's like okay, this is a this is a good team. They have been a good team for the last two years. Good enough that Gary has staked his reputation <laughs> as a football analyst on their birth in the Super Bowl. Um, but I don't know. I can't help but thinking that like this is so right. You're you're riding this fine line. I don't mm-hmm. know how much better you're going to get if you were to get a new coach, but I also don't know how much further away you are from Jason Garrett. Like, how much better are you than peak Jason Garrett, and how much worse are you than, like, say, like, fully maxed out Sean Payton? You know? And yeah. what's, like, what is the difference? I would say the difference is, like, maybe a win on both yeah. sides of the spectrum there. Like maybe Sean Payton's a win better. Maybe. Um but he's had his own meltdowns. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's he's coached a lot of bad playoff games too. Yep. No, look, you, you just look at it and it's like, well, what do you do here? Uh again, you can you go out and get Sean Payton. All right. Well, <laughs> Dak Prescott still got to play well uh against a good defense in January. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be the same result here, and I don't think there's necessarily anything uh, that they're not doing schematically to put him in position to succeed. Uh, he's just got to be better. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay. So you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs, 
Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. You know, hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got him. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Bengals, Bills. All right, so snowy Orchard Park here, and the Bengals just go up there, and man, it was, from the start, just kind of dominance. Both sides of the ball, excellent complimentary football. Uh, The offense staked them to a lead and really was not slowed this entire game. I don't know about you, but so I'll take the broader point of view first, and then we'll get into Mm -hmm. what actually happened in the game. I was somewhat appalled and I don't want to paint Bill's mafia and fan nation, whatever as it with a broad brush, but the amount of like loud disappointment in this, like and and pronounced disappointment in this team and being like, Oh, they, they left a golden opportunity on the table. Like, you know, th- these guys like, you know, let us down, whatever was almost like appalling to me because I, I, and I tweeted this. A lot of people don't agree with me. I don't know if you do, but like, I think it's miraculous that they won a playoff game. Uh, I mean, you know, and everyone's like, oh, you're making excuses for them and you can't blame what happened with DeMar Hamlin for what happened in the playoffs. It's like, I don't know, man. I was there. I I went the first day that they talked to reporters and I saw a bunch of guys who I was just on a very personal level concerned about that had to go out and play a football game. And then they had to do it again. And then they had to do it again. And, you know, Someone, uh, one of the commenters, and I don't know why I'm taking this seriously as if it's a real opinion, but it's like, well, how do you not get jacked up and, and, and want to run through a brick wall because, you know, DeMar Hamlin showed up in the locker room and I was like, because you're exhausted, you're just emotionally and physically exhausted. Some of your best players are hurt. Like I, I don't like the defense isn't set up the way it's supposed to, um, uh, and it's a snow game against a really powerful, well-run offense. It's like, yeah, man, this is this this could happen. This is on the spectrum of possibilities. So I don't know this all, this sweeping narrative that like they were out coached, that they were outmanned, that all this stuff happened. I'm just like, I don't know. I I I don't really buy it. It's you know they had a bad game. They're exhausted. They're tired. And I you know. They they were in heavyweight title fights all season long. It's just it's the end of a really long unfair season. 
you could go back to uh, this is obviously a, a much less serious issue, but you go back to like you know Josh El- Josh Allen with the elbow issue yes. earlier in the year in the that Jets felt like game four years ago. Uh, he wasn't quite right the rest of the year. He, you know, uh, granted the game was kind of out of reach at that point, but you know, he got he got had it aggravated in some way, shape, or form toward the end of that game on on the near fumble there uh, that they ruled incomplete. I, I tend to agree with you one because you're generally right about these things, and two because it's such a fine line, and you can sort of be like. Yeah, you know, DeMar Hamlin was there, and you run through, and all that stuff, and, and okay, okay. The other teams really jacked up for the playoff game, too. <laughs> like, they they like, were there, too. I mean, yes, and I understand that there's that other part of the argument, right, where they're like, well, the Bengals saw it, too. They were there. They they knew what happened. I, I just think it's different. I think it's it's a different thing when it's your teammate. Yes. When it's your It's when, your friend. It's, it's your, your friend. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I, look, they went out and they played a they played a C minus game and they got beat by a really good team in this one. I I don't you know, I I don't know exactly uh, what you sort of say as a takeaway other than uh, the Bengals are really good. If you are the Bills, you're looking at this and you're you know you're going to be in this in this category of AFC contenders for the foreseeable future for the next couple seasons here, and it's really hard to win games in the postseason. The one thing I guess you'd say, I, I I think Sunday and Saturday kind of underlined, you know, we know it's important to be the number one seed because you get the bye week and you get a little more rest and you get a free win and all that stuff uh, and you get to play at home. This year, it was especially important because you had really three good teams in each conference. Once Lamar Jackson went down, and obviously the Ravens gave the Bengals all they could handle last week, but you kind of had three legitimate contenders in each conference, and you had a fourth team that was kind of an upstart, uh, you know, playing with house money kind of team. They both played and lost on Saturday, and the Eagles and the Chiefs kind of got to cruise a little bit. We'll get to those games in a little bit, but if you're the Bills, you're going to have to beat Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes on back-to-back weekends. That is, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes setting his ankle injury aside. That's a really tall order. Uh, again, for a team that has just been through emotionally and physically probably more than any team has been through this season. Uh, it, it, you know, Josh Allen, uh, you know, the strength of this defense is that secondary. How many guys did they go through? Uh, it, it's it just becomes too much after a while and you're just not going to beat the other the other elite teams in those situations. Right. And. All right, so let's go to the let's go to the actual nuts and bolts of this. I, I mm-hmm. just think as as good, and I said this at the beginning of the year. I thought that when you added James Cook, I and and Von Miller, I thought that was it. You know, puzzle complete, and that was probably an overreaction in hindsight on my part. But what you're looking at is you know Josh Allen and Joe Burrow in different ways can do similar things to a defense. They can put them on guard in a similar way and what the Bengals were able to do is just have Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan just pound the living daylights out of a good but taxed Bills defense and then when they loaded the box it was just Burrow and Chase ISO and mm-hmm. you're no team is going to beat that um I mean the Rams barely beat it in the Super Bowl uh and so I I don't know I just think that's kind of your one 
missing ingredient. Josh Allen is your power running game. And I do think that at some point it's probably worth really investing in and developing that, you know? They miss Von Miller in this game. I, I think did. that's that's indisputable. Uh, the defensive line played maybe the worst game of the year in this one uh, at a time when obviously you need to do something. And it does affect the pass rush. It does affect your defensive line uh, when you are playing in the kind of slush and, and those types of conditions. Although obviously we saw uh, the Bengals front certainly got the better of the Bills offensive line in this one. So the other thing that, the one long-term concern I'd have as a Bills fan at this point, looking forward to 23 and 24 and all these these subsequent seasons, who's the one guy you can stop no matter what over the years was, was Tom Brady, who plays stylistically like Tom Brady with plus athleticism at this point in his career, uh, Joe Burrow. Are you going to be running into Joe Burrow every January and just being unable to get over that hump? Uh, that might be what you're looking at. You're, you know, obviously you have an offense that can go, you know, drive for drive with anyone in the league, but there were just no answers on the defensive side of the ball. And defensive line played poorly. A lot of backups in the secondary. None of that helps, but schematically, uh, there was just nothing, nothing going for Buffalo here. Yeah, I just couldn't get out of it. And listen, I mean... Burrow has, I think, the very subtle evolution here is that he is, you know, we talked about Tom Brady in terms of pocket presence, but he can move and he's really fast. And he's also like he plays big, too. Like mm -hmm. if you were to if you were to just allow me to watch this game and wouldn't tell me anything about um, Josh Allen or Joe Burrow. I would have thought Burrow would be the guy that you would have described Allen as, and Allen would have been the guy you described Burrow as. Does that make sense? Like, he played big today. He picked up a couple first downs with his legs. Like, he was mm -hmm. pushing the pocket a little bit, and so was Allen, obviously. But, like, he was he was a factor, you know? I love, like, I always like to say, like, Alex Smith is the gold standard of, like, the functional scrambling but Burrow is becoming that, I think, in the NFL, like the smart yeah. use of your legs, you know? Yep. And look, it, the other thing with the Bills is uh, those first two drives. I think it was the first two drives. I can't remember the second drive on the second play I'm going to refer to here. But uh, first third down you face, you get that zero blitz from Lou Anarumo, and you get Stefan Diggs open downfield, and Josh Allen misses him. And, and you just kind of shrug your shoulders and say, all right, well, you know, it's the way it goes sometimes. I think it was the subsequent drive, but they did the opposite on third down where they dropped eight into coverage, and I'd been curious to see what the Bills would do when, or what spe specifically Josh Allen would do when he saw that eight-man coverage. And uh, instead, Trey Henderson just went right around Deion Dawkins and he was on Josh Allen within two seconds. And that's obviously, <laughs> there's there's nothing you can do about that. It's just your offense won't work uh, when you can't block a three-man rush. And that was kind of like, all right, well, you know, do you sort of get that second half where, uh, you know, the Bengals have had some issues basically keeping that same pace for four quarters? Uh, they didn't have it today. They didn't. And they got the... You know, it, it was one of those good leaky first down games, like like Hayden Hurst kind of popping off, you know, and it's mm -hmm. it's one of those things, too, where 
you know, when you establish Mixon the way that you were able to and just to move the ball the way that you did, like if the Bengals own the line of scrimmage and God, I sound like Terry Bradshaw here, but um, no one's going to, no one's going to beat them. I, I really, I believe that, you know, I, I think if they, if they own the front like they did today, and again, circumstances were such in the snow game where it like the atmosphere and everything definitely lent itself to a Joe Mixon game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if like on a, you know, in a dome, right. I don't think we're talking about the same scenario, but um all that being said, if if this is set up in a similar way in in another game, like not a lot of teams are going to be able to stop Cincinnati in that way. They're just too deep from a weapons perspective, um, and their run game is too powerful. Two more Bills issues I'm going to bring up. One one on the field, one off the field. And uh, I apologize to Bengals fans. We're going to talk about your team uh, quite a bit in the next couple of days here and, and perhaps beyond that. <sighs> Three guys I think you'd kind of highlight if you were going to say you were disappointed with uh, the result of this season uh, because they're young guys who, you know, we talk about how the progression of uh, someone's development is not necessarily just going to grow on that straight line. And I think these guys plateaued a little bit or, or in a couple couple cases slid back uh we've seen Tremaine Edmonds never quite popped as you know the sort of uh ultra linebacker that he looked like he might be early in his career uh Ed Oliver really good last year had moments this year but just and especially today he just wasn't just wasn't a factor in this game and uh and Gabe Davis Gabe Davis slid back pretty badly this year I I know you know, some people who had him in fantasy liked when he had the multi-touchdown games, but uh, he was a guy who, you know, he had the four-touchdown game against the Chiefs in last year's playoff game, and it was like, okay, what do you got now? A lot of drops, a lot of really sloppy execution from him, too, just sort of freelancing for no good reason on uh, uh, some designs, and, you know, he's got to he's got to be better. They, they have to be better at those spots. Uh, also, Khalil Shakir is going to be awesome next year. Oh, I know. I was just going to say that. Oh, I, I know he's your favorite and you <laughs> liked him first, but we, we can uh, share him. Okay. All right. Cause you know, it's like when, uh, we had Rich Johnson on the podcast before the season started and he said that, uh, the Detroit lions and the Jaguars were going to be sneaky. Awesome. And then I was so mad at him for saying that. Cause I was like, God, I want, I, mm. I want to have said that first, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I was going to write with the Bills is uh, if you are going to, I know, I know this has been debated and discussed, but like if you are going to charge the people of Erie County and New York State to help you build a stadium that you probably don't really need that much, uh, do you just build something with a roof on it so you don't have days like this and you don't have games like this? Ah. Could you get away with having an an indoor like a dome a buffa dome i would like to if i had my if i had my druthers as the kids would say uh i would like to have the retractable roof but i would be very liberal about uh opening it like depending, would you would you depending put the roof on, the on today would i put it on today i would have put it on this entire postseason uh, yes. If I was the Bills, I, I think it's that kind of team. Uh, and, you know, Tony Romo pointed out a couple of times, like if you're going to play zone coverage in uh, in this kind of weather, 
<laughs> once Joe Burrow kind of moves you with his eyes, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're kind of done. You're kind of cooked a little bit in these coverages. But let's say we get 15 years down the line and um, Jacoby Brissett Jr. is the Bills' starting quarterback <laughs> from... from <laughs> <laughs> and you have sort, of, <laughs> you have sort of a more boy. What a dream that would be. Uh, wow. You have sort of a more ball control, maybe a little more of a defense-heavy team. Then you just start playing with the with the roof open for all these games. I think that so if fans want to understand the dividing line between like, does my owner really give a shit about me, um, or you know us or this team? If he's willing to chip in for the retractive, like that's on him. Right. You know, the owner can pop for that. Like, all right, mm-hmm. if the if Erie County is going to pay for the stadium, the owner pops for the retractable roof. I think it is one of the ultimate weapons in sports, like because you can you can decide one week you could be the greatest show on turf. And then one week you could be the Packers at Lambeau and you can completely, especially in Buffalo, use the weather as like as, as a weapon in your favor. Yes. If you wanted to do that, which I think would be really badass you can literally control the weather and if you are terry bagula right now and you have all that fracking money and and now you own a couple sports teams what else do you have to aspire to than just godlike powers at this point yes that that's what a retractable roof gives you it's time to frack the weather (laughs) (laughs) oh put that on a t-shirt giants eagles all right, we're heading back to Saturday here, and uh, Connor, you were at this game, but before we discuss it, I do want to set up the Simpsons clip of the week in honor of the <laughs> just overwhelmingly dominant performance by the Eagles. I know we should have gone to the bird sanctuary. <laughs> The biggest seed bell you have. No, that's too big. <laughs> yeah, Hans Molman and all the people running from the attacking birds. Those were the giants on a Saturday night as the Eagles just overwhelmed them. Uh, not a surprise that the Eagles won this game, obviously. But uh, I don't know. What was, uh, I guess I'll just ask you, what was it like being at this game, Connor? So a couple things, because um, uh, I, I want to basically read my column to everybody, because there was something <laughs> that I noticed uh, during the game that I thought was really cool and uh-huh. was kind of em- emblematic of of what the Eagles are able to do to somebody if they really want to. But first off, I, I mean, that opening drive, you just have, you know, you have a guy with an injured throwing shoulder just bombing a 40-yarder to Devonta Smith. And then Dallas Goddard, you know, a lot. sometimes I when I'm covering games at home versus when I'm at the, in the locker room and, you know, hearing from players afterward, there are some plays that you don't really think about after they happen that have a gigantic impact. And Dallas Goddard, just like punching a Dory Jackson in the face on the first drive for mm-hmm. no other reason, except for just to punch him in the face was epic. And everyone was talking about it after the game. And they were like, yes, that's exactly what we wanted to happen. Tempo setter. Dallas Goddard's awesome. Sneaky, violent person, apparently, um, all that. But <clears throat> the one thing I really noticed from this game, I, I, I watched a lot of Dexter Lawrence. And what I thought was really uh, kind of cool was, you know, the Giants were going to wreck this game for the Eagles if they were able to use Lawrence to collapse the pocket, right? 
and mm-hmm. and bring Jalen Hurts down and hit him and aggravate him. So what they did outside of that one long pass to Devonta Smith, every time Dexter Lawrence was on the field, it was all quick game. The ball was immediately out of his hands. Um, and you used like AJ Brown to body some of the Giants defensive backs and you ran behind him. Um, it was almost like just like a a horizontal passing running game, you know, and they just got the ball out of his hands. They eliminated the possibility that Thibodeau or Dexter Lawrence or Leonard Williams or anybody was going to actually get into the backfield. And then on the drive when uh, Dexter Lawrence comes out, he needs a breather. They just immediately like just start like running the ball right to where he was and just shoving the ball down the Giants throats. And I think it was like a 12 yard run, a nine yard run, a 14 yard run. And then they had to rush a tired Lawrence back onto the field. Mm -hmm. Um, And during those stretches of runs that that's one of the plays where Jason Kelsey just like chokeslam somebody like one handed. And uh, it was awesome. I mean, they were just, um, they were wild. They were unhinged. And one of my favorite locker rooms of the year, like uh, it just, you know, Darius Slay said after the game, like if, if anyone ever touches Jalen Hurts, I'm going to punch them in the face. And I just, <laughs> I just love like, like everyone after that game wanted to punch someone in the face. Everyone was like, ah, I'm going to punch him in the face. And I was like, man, man. this team is, uh, this team is cool. Ah, oh, if anyone ever hurts you, Connor, I'll admonish them on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not getting any uh, physical altercation. So, uh, yeah, man, this was. Uh, it was not just the score lopsided. It was not just the execution better. It was just a. Uh, it felt like almost like a Steelers team from like the late aughts, early teens, where they kind of prided themselves on just being ultra violent, and that's what this was. It was, um, and there was. There was a lot of thought behind that, you know, because at first you're thinking, okay, this is one of those scenarios where it just happened. This is a good team demolishing a bad team that probably backed their way into the playoffs anyway. But Mm -hmm. I think that there was such an emphasis on, and uh, Jason Kelsey said this after the game, the way that they ended the season, needing to come out and really just like give someone the middle finger. You know, uh, and I think that that was their whole philosophy behind this game to the point where, I mean, the two best moments were Nick Sirianni up 27 to nothing, trying to draw the Giants offsides on a two point conversion attempt. I think I think he wanted them to use to burn timeouts um, so they didn't have the chance to get back into it. Um, But and then he did it again. He did it with a punt when they were up like uh, when they were up like twenty eight points or twenty one points. Um, but uh, you know, I love the line to the official. I do think Sirianni was wrong, but when the official was like, "You can't be down here," and he just said, "I know what the f I'm doing. I'm allowed to be mm-hmm. here." Football Zebra's blog, which is written for referees by referees, says he wasn't allowed to be there, Gary. But um, what was not allowed to be there? Yeah, he wasn't supposed to be there. Okay. Uh, that That's a football zebra's blog says. But okay. are, is anyone going to disagree with Nick Sirianni in that moment? Like, you know, he's a, he's a very good coach. He's dressing down the Giants. And I don't know if you were on a, on a heater like that, Gary, and you said, I know what I'm doing. I'd believe you. I wouldn't I wouldn't question you. 
Yeah. Well, I would hope not. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jaguars, Chiefs. All right, and we go back to the first game of the weekend. That is the uh, the Chiefs outlasting the Jaguars here with the Patrick Mahomes ankle injury. And I guess we'll start there. Uh, on one hand, if there is a quarterback in the league who is kind of equipped to play on one leg – it's Patrick Mahomes between the arm talent and the fact that he makes all these all these strange uh, throws from very unique platforms, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, on the second hand, and, and you know, Tony Romo talked about this a little bit uh, during the during the broadcast of the Bengals Bills game. Number one, this high ankle sprain is going to linger for a week here. And what's going to happen at that point? The the adrenaline's not going to get you through getting out of bed in the morning and uh, going through practice and all that stuff. It's going to be a painful injury all week. The other thing I'd point out, and I'm not going to, at this stage in my life, compare myself as an athlete to Patrick Mahomes, but <laughs> anyone who's had like a severe ankle injury, it's not necessarily the moving that hurts. It's the stopping, it's planting, it's changing direction. Mm-hmm. Like that's what kind of gets to you. And I'm not quite sure exactly how you, how you manage that 
for 60 minutes if it's going to be in worse shape than it was uh, in the second half on Saturday, which it probably will be next week. Yeah, um, I'm. my concern is what does this remove from the playbook for you? Yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, they went speed option, I think, on the first drive against mm-hmm. the uh, against the Jaguars. And Mahomes did kind of, uh, I believe it was their first touchdown drive. Uh, we're th- we're, I'm looking back at my notes here. We're a couple, uh, we're a day removed here. But he kind of did like a really aggressive, like half sneak, like almost shortstoppy throw to Kelsey for the first down that ended up setting up the first touchdown. Yes. Okay. Yes. Setting up the first touchdown. All that's gone. That's mm-hmm. not happening anymore. Uh, so you are essentially probably dialing this back into Andy's roots as like a really quick release West coasty kind of offense. And are you set up that way to succeed if, if you need to, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. It's, you know, this is going to be a crude comparison because I think Mahomes is so much better than that. But is this a little bit like when Ben Roethlisberger lost the ability to just incredible Hulk it in the backfield for four seconds and then throw the ball to one of his great wide receivers? Mahomes is kind of doing that, but just in a different way. Right. And just like a little bit like Burrow with a little more athleticism. What happens now that that's not a, a possibility, right? Yeah, I mean, look, the ball handling stuff worries me just as much. Uh, it was such a struggle for him to get out on those uh, on those stretch plays. Man, I, I don't know what exactly you can do other than put him in shotgun and do a lot of quick game uh, at this point. Uh, I, I don't. I, I'm trying to think back in my mind. I don't know how often they they use toss plays in the run game. I feel like not very often, but maybe I'm just not remembering correctly. It's it's going to be rough. It's going to be a rough uh, a rough attempt to game plan here for Luana Rumo and a really good Bengals defense. I agree, um, and it's just you know this is when and you know this is not like you know. I'm not pushing my glasses to my nose and saying this is why you need a running game. And, you know, they're working on it. I think they're doing a good job. Um, mm-hmm. But this is how a running game, a real power running game, could have completely and totally transformed it. And, again, this is not for lack of trying. The Chiefs have tried. It's just it's not working right now. Like, it's a Mahomes-driven offense, as it should be. I mean, we'd yeah. all be we'd all think they were crazy if it wasn't. So, you know, I, I just – I don't – like – if this had happened to Joe Burrow, I'd be more confident about the Bengals' chances than if this happened to Patrick Mahomes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Mahomes, look, he can do the uh, let's spread it out, uh, read the mail between the, or excuse me, read the mail before the snap and do it that way. Although, as we saw today, the Bengals really disguise some stuff really nicely, especially when it comes to Mike Hilton coming off the slot there. I, I'm just, you know, Whatever. I guess that's why I don't coach the Chiefs. I just don't know what answers you come up with at this point. Yeah, I I don't know. I I I predicted a well, starting in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I predicted a Bengals 49ers Super Bowl, so I feel pretty good about that. I think yeah. it, I think it might happen. I don't As like you, the I don't like the way it's happening. Yeah. But, you know, 
Well, as he should, but, you know, we've seen this Bengals team beat the Chiefs three times in a row, so regardless, it was going to be a really good matchup. Uh, I guess we'll talk about the Jaguars just real quick here. Missed opportunity. Uh, the first thing I'll say, this is why you just want to get into the playoffs, because maybe something weird like this happens where the the opposing team's star quarterback gets his ankle rolled up on, and then you have a chance to steal a game at that point. Uh, and, you know, who knows? Maybe you get some weird weather game in Cincinnati next week, and all of a sudden the Jaguars are in the Super Bowl. Of course, that, that's not going to happen here. Uh, missed opportunities. I mean, look, the, the two things that kind of stand out, you can't give up a 98-yard touchdown drive to Chad Henney, uh, with all due respect to Chad Henney, and uh, best short reliever in football, by the way. <laughs> and you, you know, I don't know. I'm not wild about Jamal Agnew being on the field in the tight red zone. I don't. I think you're to put on the field. It's because he might break off a, a 25 yard run. Eh, uh, you're not expecting a, a fumble, but you know that goes back to the early season Jaguars struggles, where they just had a bunch of weird, tight red zone turnovers, and that one came on first and goal, which is obviously even more damaging. This might be giving Doug Peterson and Co. too much credit, but I think if they were placed in an identical situation um, next year. Mm-hmm. I think they win that game by 20 points. That's okay. That's, I think it's just a young team. I think it's a young team. Yeah. In a situation where Patrick Mahomes was hampered and et cetera, et cetera. That's what you're saying. Correct. Like if, okay. if Patrick Mahomes somehow befuddlingly gets another high ankle <laughs> sprain in the divisional round again, uh, then I think the Jaguars win that game by 20 points. All right, before we uh, wrap up this show, let's talk about one more coaching development this week, and that is uh, Greg Roman and the Ravens part ways. Lots of question marks here in Baltimore. Uh, Lamar Jackson's contract situation is unsettled at the moment. Uh, They built the entire offense kind of around him at this point. So I I mean, I don't know. I, I guess you don't completely rule out a change at quarterback because essentially you have not reached a deal with him and your worst fears with him have played out the last two years where he's been injured late in the year. But uh, Greg Roman is out. Uh, I don't know where he lands next. I don't know if he's a a college candidate. I don't know if he's someone else's offense coordinator candidate. The one point I will make with Greg Roman is he has obviously had a level of success with now Lamar Jackson, uh, Colin Kaepernick, and uh, to a lesser extent, Tyrod Taylor in Buffalo, he's a guy who has wanted to work with sort of a more traditional pocket passing game and and more traditional quarterback. Uh, maybe he gets an opportunity at his next stop. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So I'm very interested in the whole deal because there was, um, there was a very um, – very loud push and Lamar actually retweeted someone who said like, you know, Hey, Bobby Petrino's offense is pro style. Um, nobody ever gave him a chance to run pro style. And why isn't any, anyone letting him run pro style? And it's like, okay, um, let's do it. I'm, I'm up for this. I'm, I'm ready for, uh, I'm ready for it. If that's the direction that everyone seems to be going in. And then if you're Baltimore, it probably allows you a, a situation where, you know, if it's, it, if it doesn't work out long term with Lamar, you can more easily pivot to somebody else if if that's your plan after this year. But I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm very interested to see what 
the game plan is here because I think a lot of factors are at play here. And I, man, I think Lamar would look really, really cool in uh, Atlanta with Arthur Smith. Like I, I do think that there are teams out there who would trade for him. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm I'm open to any and all possibilities. I uh, I am too. And and look, the one thing that kind of uh, the Ravens have looked to get that number one receiver and and maybe have something going on the boundary a little bit more in, in this passing game. And for whatever reason, those guys just keep getting hurt and they haven't really been able to build that up. And I don't know. The offensive line is probably not quite built for a traditional offense outside of like Ronnie Stanley at this point. But you do probably have to take the leap at some point and just, you know, figure out whether it's whether it's going to work or not. I agree. I don't know. um, Listen, I no one enjoys. Well, that's not true. I probably Lamar Jackson's family and friends enjoy watching him play more than I do. Um, But um, I'm up there. I'm in the top. I'm in the top thousand. Yeah. Do you think that there do you think there are a thousand people who like well, I guess all the Raven most Ravens. Yeah, because I think it, it, it brings them like more pleasure when the Ravens win games. So okay, I think so for that reason they probably enjoy it more than, than we do. Do you think that there's a million people who like watching Lamar Jackson more than no, me? No, no, no. Five hundred thousand people who like it more than me? Uh I would put you at uh 12,253. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Very high. Very high. Okay. Um, So, yeah. I mean, I I just want it all to work because it's cool. And I think at its height, um, it still wasn't – teams weren't stopping it. You know, it still wasn't Mm -hmm. something that was stopped with a ton of regularity. It was just, you know – People get banged up, people get injured, you lose a couple pieces, and away you go. But I'm open to anything. I, I, I love I love the idea that they're just going to pivot and go completely pro-style. Um, I love the idea that they're going to have just a different take on the Greg Roman offense. Like I, I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, I'm up for it all. I'm ready. The MMQB NFL podcast is Connor Orr and B. Gary Gramling. We are produced by Shelby Royson. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody, and our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. Mark Ravix is emeritus editor of the MMQB Super Bowl champion. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts, and once you do, please leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.